Uh, uh, there it is. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What's up, New Philly? How you guys doing? God is good. Amen. Man, worship, worship today was powerful. The worship team just keeps going from glory to glory, right? It's crazy because at Sunday Swim, we actually prayed for, for Pastor Mark, who is leading worship. And uh, even just the words about the word that the Lord had given to, him about, given to me for him about being a new creation and about just where the Lord was taking him in the new levels. I didn't know that those words were in the song we were singing. It was like crazy. I was like, oh, snap. That's exactly what we prayed earlier. <laughs> Jesus knows. He knows what's going on in his house. I want everyone to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to go through verses 12 to 20 today. And we're going to continue as we are, have already been doing through 1 Corinthians. Today I have a powerful word from the Lord for you. Last week was... Last week was awesome as Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny came and ministered with us and they came and ministered to us and Pastor Benjamin preached a powerful word on negotiating with Laban, you know, about the spirit of the Antichrist and about how we need to allow God to do our negotiating, not us negotiate with God. And then, you know, he talked about different things. He kind of pointed me out saying I need to keep meditating in the field like Isaac did before he met Rebecca. And I received that word. I wrote it down. If you, you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure to go back and listen to the podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about your body. Mm. If you're taking notes, the title of today's message is Does a Body Good? Not a question. It's just a statement like milk. Does a body good? I want you to know today that Jesus he loves your body. I'm not talking about the body of Christ, like all of us collectively. All of us, we love to say that. Yeah, Jesus loves the body. No, Jesus loves your body. Tell your neighbor right now. Tell him, say, Jesus likes my body. <laughs> all of y'all said it the wrong way. Everyone's like, mm, Jesus likes my body. <laughs> I want to talk to you about your body today because God cares about your body. He cares about your body. He, he cares about what you do with your body. He cares about the way that you view your body. And today God wants to shift the way that you think about your body. For many of us, talking about our body is a sensitive topic. We don't, don't talk about my body. Don't even look at me. But Jesus cares about your body. And today, when we go through this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's so interesting because Paul spends so much of this passage talking about your body. He could have talked about anything else, but he wanted to spend some time talking to the church in Corinth about their body. I'm going to read it for us. Let's all look in our Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, but you have a phone, why don't you look it up in that as well? If you don't have the Bible app, download it right now. We have Wi-Fi, Password New Philly. It says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20, it says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, 
and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Snap, that's a sermon in itself. Amen. Let's go into prayer. Let me pray for us, actually. (laughs) Father, I thank you that today, God, you have a powerful work to accomplish in our hearts today, God. I thank you, Lord, that today, Lord, you are bringing, Lord, your truth because it is the truth that sets us free. And God, I pray that as your word is preached, Lord, that it would go out, Lord. And as your word says, the words of the wise are like firmly embedded nails. I pray that this word today would be lodged in us like firmly embedded nails that the enemy could not pry out. I pray that today, God, that when the word goes out, we would not just receive it with joy, but have no foundation for it to bear fruit. But God, today we would be like good soil. And that this word, as it goes out, would bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold to your glory, God. Father, I bind a thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy the word. And Father, I declare that it's going out to bring life abundant. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so excited to give you this word today. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited because this truth about your body is simple yet powerful. Your body matters so much to God. He cares about what we do with our bodies. He cares about how we treat our bodies. You know, in preparation for this sermon, this morning I got up and the first thing I was thinking was like, "Mm, I kind of want some noodle box. If you don't know what noodle box is, it's like the stir fry place in Itaewon. It's like two thirds rice and one third oil. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's got like a layer of oil at the bottom. It tastes so good when it hits your lips, you know, it's just so good. But as soon as I was walking towards Noodle Box, God was like, are you preaching about your body today? I was like, yeah, you're right. Subway. (laughs) Cold cut, please. And God cares so much about your body. And he cares about your body to such a degree in which it affects everything that you do. Your body is the vessel for intimacy with him. Your body is the vessel for his kingdom to go out onto this earth. Your body is the sole place where the world is changed. The world can't be changed by any other way but through your body. Did you know that? God cares about your body. Jesus cares about your body so much that he would die so that your body would become a part of his body. Some of you are confused. What does that mean? Jesus cares about your body so much that he would die. He would take on the form of a servant, endure the cross. 
die, be buried and resurrected so that your body could be renewed. He cares about your body. And here in this passage, Paul, he begins to talk to them about their body. It actually seems kind of random as we've been going through it before. He's talking about stealing from one another. And he talks about sexual immorality as well. But then all of a sudden in chapter six, he wants to start talking about bodies. It's like, what are you talking about, Paul? Where did this come from? But there's three things about your body that I want you to learn today. That I want to be lodged in your brain, lodged in your heart, lodged in your spirit so that you would live differently. And the first thing is that Jesus came not only to save your spirit and your soul, but your body as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 12, Paul starts out and he says, all things are lawful for me. And it's because the church in Corinth, what had happened is their theology started to get jacked up. They kind of started to get this spirit of the Antichrist that Pastor Benjamin was talking about last week. They began to believe that Jesus cared about their spiritual life. He cared about their soul, their mind, their will and emotions, their feelings. But he didn't care so much about what they did with their body. So they were like, you know what? It doesn't matter. You know, I know that Christ has died for me. Therefore, all things are beneficial for me. All things are lawful for me. I can do anything I want. I can do all things in Christ Jesus. Even sleep with a prostitute. That's what they were saying. They were like, I can do whatever I want because I know that God only really cares about my spirit. So I can sleep with a prostitute today, but then go to church tomorrow and repent. I can be sexually immoral. I can lust. I can do whatever I want to do today. But then tomorrow I know that I can just pray a prayer and God will cleanse my spirit and my soul and I'll be fine. He doesn't really care about what I do with my body. They said, you know, all things are lawful for me. I can do anything I want to do. They actually said it twice. That's why Paul quoted it twice. He said, all things are lawful for me. And then Paul counters. He says, wait, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me. But Paul counters again. He says, but I won't be mastered by anything. That's because this theology came into the church in which they believed that God came to save their spirit. Right. You know, human beings were made up into three parts. We reflect God and God is the Trinity is three in one. We in very in the same way, we reflect God's Trinity in three in one body, soul and spirit. Our bodies. Right. It's our it's the muscles that we have. It's our cardiovascular system, nervous system, you know, the muscles, you know, whatever else we have. What, what else is in our body? A brain brain is our, <laughs> most of us. <laughs> I read in his book that that uh, it was talking about how the brain's a muscle and therefore you need to use it. And when I read it, I read it three times. I was like, wait, my brain's a muscle. It's a muscle like it's like a bicep. But it is. It's a part of your body. Right. We, we know that we have our bodies and then also we know that God has given us a soul, our mind, our will and our emotions, what we think, what we feel, feel and what we do. Or what we will ourselves to do. And then also that God has given us a spirit, right? A spirit that is dead in his transgressions, a spirit that is dead before meeting Jesus. But when we profess our faith in Jesus Christ, God begins to blow his Holy Spirit within us and in our spirit comes alive. 
But the interesting thing in the body of Christ is that so many of us, we have faith that God can resurrect our spirit, right? You know, if I believe that Jesus has made me a new creation, I'm alive in Christ. My, my spirit has come alive. We believe that Jesus has come and touched our soul. Here at New Philly, we've got a bomb H&D ministry. By bomb, I mean it's awesome. Not like a literal bomb. Where people come in and they receive inner healing. Where Jesus comes in and he shows that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he cares about the things that have happened to you in your past. And he wants to touch your past. And he wants to bring healing and restoration. And he does that in the realm of your thinking. He does that in the realm of your emotions, right? You know, when I first came to Korea, I was jacked up. Jackified. Messed up. You know, because I had experienced years, 15 years of abuse, 15 years of which I was told every other day, you suck. You are nothing. You are ugly. You are not smart. You will never amount to anything. Everything you do will fail. So when I came to Korea, that was pretty much my mindset. That was that was what motivated me, this desire inside of me to show that all those words weren't true. And my emotions and my my mindset, all of that was jacked up. You know, people say anything negative to me and I get angry. You know, I say, Marcus, you need to try better. Shut up. <laughs> Hate you. But Jesus came in and he brought healing. He brought inner healing and he began to touch every area of my life. But Jesus didn't just come to save your spirit and your soul. He also came to save your body. Amen. Amen. He came to touch your body. He came to come in and bring healing and restoration to your very body. Earlier this week when I was sitting in Starbucks and I was I was praying up in Starbucks, people were looking at me like I was weird. So I was up in there like, God, you are holy. I'm just worshiping you. And then all of a sudden, like I opened up my eye one second and this Korean girl walked by me and she was like, I don't care. I'm unashamed. I didn't get that crazy. I'm unashamed. I was praying and I was praying and I felt God begin to speak to me. And he said, Marcus, what do you think I love more? Your spirit or your body? Marcus, what do you think I desire more? Your spirit or your body? And I said, spit. And I was like, wait, Jesus. Trick question. Whenever God asks you a question, don't answer. It's trick. I'm being real. Whatever you say is wrong. Whatever you say, you are going to have to repent about later. I was like, spirit. He was like, hmm, spirit. Really? Really? You were about to say spirit. I know your thoughts. I was like. And then he said, Marcus, I don't just love your spirit. I don't just love your soul. I love your body, too. And I desire to touch your body. I I desire to heal your very body. I desire for your body to be a place in which you experience my presence, where you know my nearness, where you know that I am always with you, that I never leave you nor forsake you. I desire to encounter you and I desire to do it physically. See, many of us, we have a a jacked up view of spirituality. Even when we read this passage, we we hear about the body and there's something in us that's like, wait, God loves my body. What do you mean that God loves my body? God doesn't love my body. My body is evil. You know, or we look in the mirror and we're like, I hate my body. 
I can't wait till I get my glorified body. Come on, Jesus. It comes express with a six pack. You know, we have this jacked up view because we think that God loves our spirit. He loves our spirit. He always wants to talk to us spiritually. He wants to touch us spiritually. and He loves our emotions. He wants to touch our emotions. He wants us to make us know his heart and know how he feels about us. But our body, he kind of overlooks it. Our body, he doesn't really care about or he doesn't actually like the way that I've been made. You know that theology, that idea that you're waiting for your glorified body and it's going to come and you're going to have everything you always wanted. You need to learn to love your body that you have now. I was with, uh, I was hanging out with some of the Living Hope sons and some of the New Philly sons. We were all hanging out together and I was with David, uh, brother David O. Do you know David O? He's, he goes to Hillside. He's the brother I went to Goonsan with, that trip that shall not be named. It was like the worst trip of my life. And we went there together. And we're hanging out with some of the Living Hope brothers. And David, is uh, he, he freelances as a model. So when people ask what he does, he says, I'm a model. Right? I'm sitting beside him like, bless you. <laughs> if I was like a couple inches taller, I'd be a model too. But... No, nah, but we're sitting there and we're all hanging out. And, and all of a sudden, the, they ask David what he does. And they're like, He's a model. And, and the Living Hope Sons, the brothers, they're tripping out. They're like, what? You're a model? I knew it. I knew it. Look at him. He's so good looking. He's a model. Man, you're a model. You're awesome. You're awesome, man. He's so awesome. One brother in particular, he was just raving about how, like, he just kept looking at David. And I was like, bro, you need to calm down. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he looks at him. And he says, David, David, critique me right now. Critique me. And I'm sitting there like, what? What do you mean? He's like, okay, if, if I wanted to go into modeling, tell me what I need to fix. And, and, and David's like, no, no, I, wouldn't, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, no, do it, do it. Tell me what Korean model agencies would say. And then he, David goes, all right, well, you need to fix your nose. And the guy goes, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this thing was getting in the way. I knew it. <laughs> I knew I needed to fix this. And at first I was like laughing because it's kind of funny. <laughs> but then for a second there, I was like, snap. And I was like, David, critique me. And I was like, actually, no, don't critique me. <laughs> I don't want to know what you have to say. Shoot. Because Satan tells us all the time what we need to fix. You know? But you need to learn to love your body because that glorified body, when you get resurrected and you, walk, you look down at that sea of glass, it's going to be you. It's going to be you that you look in the mirror at all the time right now. You know, there's some people in Korea that are going to be real surprised when they get before Jesus. I'm being real because they haven't learned to love their body and they're going to look down at the sea of glass and think of somebody else. They were like, man, that's my cousin. That's not me. But God wants you to learn to love your body. It's because Jesus desires 
to touch your body. He desires for your body to experience him. He desires for your body to be the place in which his presence is always manifest. You know, that moment when God spoke to me and he said, Marcus, do you think I love your spirit more than I love your body? My shoulder was, I was experiencing so much pain in my shoulder. And he asked me that question. And as soon as he asked that question, I felt his hand touch my shoulder and I felt all the pain leave. And he was like, Marcus, you thought that you could just. You'll just endure the pain and you'll endure the self-hatred and you'll endure all these different things about your body and your image that you don't like. You'll just endure that as long as I touch your spirit and your soul. But Marcus, I love all of you. Marcus, I desire to touch all of you. You know, Jesus had a situation like this before. He said it was where he was out there ministering and some guys bring a paralytic to Jesus. They bring a paralytic to Jesus and they sit the paralytic, the guy, he's lame. They sit him at Jesus's feet and Jesus is kind of gangster. Jesus just looks at him and he goes, son, your sins are forgiven. The guy's still paralyzed. He's just laying there looking at him like, thank you. You know, I didn't, I, they didn't bring me here for you to do that. I came, I came for healing, Jesus. He's still laying there. And Jesus is like, your sins are forgiven. And then some of the Pharisees, they begin to snicker because they were like, what, he's going to forgive his sins but not heal him? And Jesus, you know, Jesus, he discerns their thoughts. So he, he hears their thoughts and he says, what, you think it's, what do you think is easier? For me to forgive their, his sins or for me to heal his body? Once again, trick question. <laughs> what do you think is more difficult for Jesus to do? Many times we think that it's easier for Jesus to forgive our sins than heal our bodies. Many times we think that it's easier for Jesus to touch us spiritually than to touch us physically. But in that situation, Jesus looked at the paralytic and he said, just so you know that the son of man has authority both on heaven and on earth, son, get up. And all of a sudden he gets up and walks off and everyone's in awe. What Jesus was saying there, he wasn't saying it's harder for me to heal people. He was saying for me to forgive your sins is the hardest thing I have to do. That's the hardest thing. That's the mountaintop. Everything else after that is easy. For me to touch your soul is easy. For me to touch your body, that is easy. That's the first thing on the totem pole. See, we got to begin to shift our mindset about how God views our bodies. Oftentimes we pray and we pray and we pray and we think, God, if I reach this certain level of spirituality, then your promises will manifest in my life. If I reach this certain level, then all of a sudden your promises will manifest in my body and in my family and everything else around us. But God says the natural realm is the easiest realm. It's the soul and the spirit that is harder. And he's already done that. So what does that mean for our bodies? When we pray for healing for people, a lot of times I remember the first time I went when I went to Thailand with a team and we had a lot of new people who had never went on missions before. And I did an altar call for healing and we had people come up and they were sharing prophetic. They were sharing words of knowledge. So they prayed and asked God, God, what do you want to heal today? And God would just speak to them. And then like a back, a neck, an ear, a knuckle, you know, just God would just say some stuff, you know, and they would say it. And sometimes you'd be like, what? Like it's, and then all of a sudden someone would stand up and be like, that's my problem, right? And then I released the team. Team, go, go pray for them. 
go just lay your hands on them and we're going to begin to pray for them. And some of the team members, they were mad. They were heck of zealous, right? They just run over. They laying like two hands and a foot on them. Just like, I'm about to pray for you. You about to get healed right now. And all of a sudden I'm like, all right, team pray. And they're just like, I just bind this right now. I break this off right now. And just, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everyone stop. And they're still praying. I just break this off right now. And this is, you're going to be healed. You're going to be healed. They're shaking the person. They're dislocating their shoulder, you know, like, and I had to rebuke the team. I was like, team, shut up. Stop. If you, I'm sorry. Shut up. I say that sometimes when I'm ministering. I'm sorry. That's how the Lord speaks to me. So anyways, I was like, team, stop praying. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm like, team, now stop praying. Right. And put some bass in my voice. Team, stop praying. You're like, God, <laughs> they stopped praying. I was like, what are you doing? Watch me. Let's pray again. And then this time you just prayed a couple seconds. Just pray 30 seconds. Lord, I just thank you. And I just pray healing. All right. That's it. Check. See if you're healed. All of a sudden, everyone's raising their hands. Old ladies are like, oh, my gosh. And the craziest thing was not the old ladies. It was the team members. Because they're looking like. That's all it took. I didn't even have to pray in tongues. I didn't have to. I didn't have to smack anybody. I didn't have to do anything like all of a sudden they got healed. It was that easy. You see, your body, God cares about your body. He cares about it so much, but it's not something that's high up that takes all day for him to manifest it. That's the first place he wants to manifest his goodness. See, the church in Corinth, they they thought that the body didn't matter. They thought that God didn't care about their body at all. And then once they got to that place, it was so easy for sexual immorality to come in. The second thing you need to know is that your body was meant for Jesus. And Jesus was meant for your body. I want you to look at verse 13. It says, food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. Mm. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. You know, the church in Corinth, they were they were talking to to Paul and they had all this sexual immorality that was taking place in their midst. And when they get confronted about it, you know what they said? They said, Paul, food is meant for my stomach and stomach's meant for my food. What they were saying was, Paul, my body's meant for sex. And sex is meant for my body, right? I have my needs, Paul. And Paul's like looking at them saying, what are you talking about? They, you know, I've had people come up to me and, that I've discipled in the past. And I'm like, you know, you need to stop with the sexual immorality. And they're like, I don't know. I have my needs. I'm like, if you stop, if you stop being sexually immoral, you won't die. <laughs> it's not like Oxygen. You know, I have my needs, Pastor. I need this. I need sex. I have my sexual needs, Pastor. If I don't have sex, what's going to happen to me? I have these hormones and I have these. I'm like, how old are you? 14? There's nothing wrong with being 14. But they're like, I have these needs. 
And they were, they were approaching Paul and saying, Paul, I have these needs and I have these needs that my body needs to meet. And if I don't meet these needs, Paul, what's going to happen to me? So many of us, even most of us in this room, we, we have that mindset. The world has convinced us that those are our needs. You know, before I got saved, I was very promiscuous. But then when I met the Lord, I stopped all that foolishness. And it's been six years and I'm still alive. I'm in pretty good health. I can run miles. I can, I can climb mountains. You know what I'm saying? I, I think I do all right. See what Paul, but then after they say that Paul counters, he says, check it out. Your body is not meant for sexual immorality. He says, your body's not meant for sexual immorality. Your body is meant for the Lord. He said that your body, your, your foremost need of your body is not sex. It's not food. It's not even oxygen. The greatest need of your body is Jesus. Some of you are like, no, no, actually, I think I need oxygen. No, see, Jesus is the greatest need of your body. See, when Adam and Eve, see, there's this, when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened was sin came in and it corrupted the body. Many of us, we confuse our flesh with our body. But the Greek word for flesh is sarkos. It means your sin nature. It means that your inclination to do things your own way and to do things in your own power, your, your inclination towards sin. But the word for body is different. It's the word soma. And it just literally means your physical body. And many of us think that our body, our, our flesh, we merge the two. But what you need to know is that your body has always been meant for Jesus. Your body has always been meant to be in oneness with Jesus. It's the greatest need for your body. When he took the sin, when he took your flesh and put it to death on the cross, he did it so that he could touch your body. He did it so that he could manifest his goodness to your body. Your greatest need is not, you know, it's not vitamins. It's not P90X. It's not P9000. It's not Darren Dance Grooves. It's Jesus. First John says, that which our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and that which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He talked about his hands actually reaching out and touching Jesus. He said that I understand that my body is so near and needs to be so close to the Lord that I want to reach out and touch him. I want to be that close to him. You know, the new level for Christians is not that we continually cry out for God to touch us, but that we understand that we can touch God. Even with our body. Your body was meant for the Lord. And the Lord Jesus was meant for your body. You ever think about that? Jesus was meant for your body. That Jesus's foremost desire is to actually touch you physically. Many of us, when we experience sickness or disease, I'll just I'm just going to persevere. When Jesus, he wants to touch that area. In the Bible, there's a story of this woman who has the issue of blood. You know this story? This woman, she has this issue of blood and she's bleeding everywhere. And in the, in the Jewish culture, 
a person who had this condition, they were ceremonially unclean. That meant that no one should touch them and she shouldn't touch anybody. If she touched that, the way that they deal with someone like that is actually that they, they take her and they put her outside of the community until she's healed. And what happened was this woman, she had this issue of blood and that she had this illness, but she heard and saw that Jesus was coming. She heard and saw that Jesus was coming. And so what, what does she do? She's, Jesus is surrounded by people, but she goes through and she just starts fighting through the group, group of people. And she reaches out and touches Jesus. She reaches out and touches Jesus. Jesus is talking to people. He's teaching. He's doing. And all of a sudden, he doesn't even feel someone touch his his garment. But it says that Jesus felt power and virtue leave him. You know, he's like, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the Hold, hold, hold on. Time out. Somebody touch me. Who touched my robe? This robe is silk. Who touched this? No, Jesus actually wore really nice clothes. It says that they cast lots to divide his clothes. Jesus, Jesus wore some, he wore some good threads. <laughs> Jesus was up there like, wait, who, who touched me? And the disciples, they're all confused. They're like, no one touched you. But the moment she reached out and touched Jesus, she was healed. And it says that Jesus actually felt power and virtue. Leave him and touch her. You want, you want to know what happened in that moment? See, what happened was that the woman saw Jesus, she beheld Jesus, and there was something about Jesus that she knew was meant for her. She knew that the power and virtue that Jesus was walking in was meant for her body. And she knew that the illness that she was carrying was meant for the Lord to carry. See, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. It's meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. She, she knew that if she went and she reached out and she touched Jesus, that power was going to leave him and it was going to touch her. And now all of a sudden, Jesus's nature, she was going to take part in. Jesus never got sick. Jesus always was, was walking in complete health. And as she reached out and touched Jesus, Jesus's nature became hers. And all of a sudden, they're one in that area. But for many of us, we're reaching out and touching other things. See, what Paul's saying is that when you reach out, when you don't believe that that the power and virtue that God has is for you and that the sin that you carry, God can take away the illness that you carry. God can take away the the sickness and disease, not even sickness and disease, but maybe those habits that manifest in your body that you feel like will never go away. Or that anxiety that is continually holding you down that you feel like is a weight that causes you not to be able to sleep and your body is breaking down. When you understand that Jesus wants to take that so that you can take on him. There's a oneness that happens. Paul even says it. He talks about this when he says, shall I take the members of Christ? Shall I take your body that is a member of Christ and join it to a prostitute? Because he says that if you sleep with a prostitute, you become one with her. Or shall you be joined to Christ and be one with him, one spirit with him? See, when you reach out and touch, whether it's someone or something else other than Christ, you become one with them. You begin to take on the nature of that very thing that you've been coveting. You begin to take on the very nature of that very thing you've been looking to. And instead of you becoming one with Jesus, you're becoming one with the world. 
Instead of becoming one with Jesus and taking on his power and his nature, you're becoming one with someone else or becoming one with some work of the enemy. See, sexual immorality is no different than this concept I'm, ta- I'm speaking to you about because it's all pointing to a level of oneness. Either it's covenant oneness or it's counterfeit oneness. See, what happened when that woman stretched out and she grabbed Jesus is she became, she became intimate with Jesus. And when she became intimate with Jesus, they became one. What are you reaching out and becoming intimate with? What are you becoming one with? Is it Jesus or is it something else? See, intimacy in covenant is worship. Intimacy in covenant is worship. When that woman stretched out and she grabbed Jesus' garment, Jesus turned to her and he credited it to her. He credited her faith. He said, wow, your faith has made you well. He, he understood that she looked at him and she understood that Jesus had a nature that could touch her body. But intimacy outside of covenant is idolatry. See, what Paul was speaking to is he was saying, you're being sexually immoral. You're stepping outside of the boundaries of the covenant. You're stepping outside. And now all of a sudden you're worshiping other things. You're believing that this prostitute can meet your needs more than Jesus can. And all of a sudden what happens is idolatry comes in because you're looking to something else to provide that power, that virtue and nature for your body. Why is this important? Why is this important? It's because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The third thing is that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say my body's a temple. You know, growing up, I used to... Uh, Growing up, I used to, like, of course, little kids in the hood all listen to gangster rap. And so I used to, like, always take, like, little ballpoint pens, and I would, like, draw, like, fake tattoos. You know, I, like, put thug life across my stomach. Don't judge me. I was like, Tupac did it. I can do it. And I remember my mom coming to me. My mom wasn't even, my mom wasn't even a believer, but my mom comes and she's like, what are you doing? Your body is a temple. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, Indiana Jones? Like, what do you mean? Like, my body's a temple. I don't know what you mean. Even today, many of us, when we, we hear that your body's a temple, we're like, yeah, my body's a temple. Mm, need to take care of this. Stop eating McDonald's. Because it's a temple. But Paul, when he said that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, he meant something so much more than just you need to eat better. He meant even much more than you need to stop being sexually immoral. Because the temple in the body represented the place where the kingdom of God met the government of man. The temple in the, in the Bible represented the place where the priests would go before God and they would encounter God's presence and they would encounter him. And then they would turn around and they would minister to the nation. The temple represented the place where rivers of living water would flow out. 
Ezekiel talks about that there's a temple where rivers of life flow out of the temple and it continues to flow and it gets greater and greater and greater and everything that's next to it, life begins to flow. You know, your body is that very temple. Many times we go into places and we're like, I don't know, I'm waiting for God to break in. I'm waiting for God's power to come into my family. I'm waiting to see these things happen. But the moment you step through the door, God's government has stepped through the door. The moment you step through the door, the kingdom of God has broken forth because your body is the very door. Your body is a temple. See, many of us, we don't understand this truth. We don't understand that our body is the place in which God's authority in heaven and on earth reigns. We don't understand that our very body is the place in which the kingdom of God goes forth. It doesn't go forth just because you have a prayer meeting. It doesn't go forth just because we all read our Bibles and we, we spend some good time in fellowship. No, it actually goes forth from our bodies when we believe and know that the kingdom of God has come because we are his temple. Your body is a temple. That's why Satan attacks your body. That's why Satan attacks your body with all these lies about your self-image. That's why Satan attacks your body with all these lies about how you look and how you need to be better and how things need to change and how your body is worthless before God. Because if he knows that he can convince you that your body is worthless, he shut down the temple. And then when you walk into that area that you feel is dark, you're praying for light, but the light's already inside of you. You're walking into that area that's depressed and you're praying for joy, but the joy is already inside of you. You're walking into places and asking for the Holy Spirit to come when you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. See, God wants his people, his, their bodies to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be filled with this knowledge that God's power goes out. That's why this, even Paul talking about sexual immorality is important. Why? Because there's some people that have an understanding that their body is a temple. But they fill the temple with idols. Sexual immorality is idolatry. Covetousness and lust is idolatry. And actually, Satan, he cares that you... he. It concerns him if you know that your body is the temple. But really what he he really is concerned about is whether or not you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Whether or not your your temple is filled with the spirit. Or with something else. See what happens when we are sexually immoral, when we are lusting or when we are coveting or when we are filled with fear, anxiety, we begin to take something else and begin to put it. In, on the altar, we began to make it the place of worship inside the temple. And now all of a sudden, the only spirit that goes out is that spirit that's connected to that idol. Now, all of a sudden, everyone else around you is filled with anxiety and lust. And it's because inside of you, there's an idol that's been placed. I want to talk to you real briefly about 
about sexual immorality and, and something that God, a revelation that God gave me this week regarding sexual immorality. And it has a lot to do with idolatry. It has a lot to do with whether or not we are allowing idols in our heart or not, whether or not we are setting up idols to another God. I mean, it would be crazy if someone came in this room and set up a Buddha and started worshiping, right? We, we would fly kick them, right? I'd be like, Chris Prasad, take him out, you know, take that guy out. Chris Prasad, just pick him up by his neck and just, you know, like we would, we would, we would be tripping out if someone came in and set up some like new age crystals and started worshiping up in here. We, we would drop kick them. You know, if someone said, let me do some, let me do some yoga and some acupuncture here on your altar space. I go WWF up in this piece. In the spirit in the spirit. But the crazy thing is, is that we allow it to in our in our bodies. We allow it inside of us. We'll, we'll outlaw it in these four walls, but inside we allow all kinds of idols to get in. You know, this happened. Like, what if someone came in and set up a golden calf? You know, we wouldn't be like, oh, man, that's a nice calf. <laughs> no, nah, we would kick that mug. We'd take it out. You know the story of the golden calf? What happened is Exodus chapter 32. Moses went up to the mountaintop and he met. He was meeting with God. Moses was meeting with God. He was having a prayer meeting with God. He was encountering God in his body. It was not some spiritual experience. God came and met him. And when God was meeting him, what he was doing was he was giving Moses a new. He was reiterating to Moses the covenant. He was telling Moses once again the promises of God that had been given to him. But then what happened was Moses was up there for 40 days and the people there, they started tripping out at the base of the mountain because Moses was gone for 40 days. You know, it's like some people who are waiting for like you say, it's like 40 days is 40 years or something. Moses is gone. This sucks. Why is Moses delaying this? I can't believe Moses is gone. I got an idea. Let's set up an idol to worship as God because Moses ain't coming back. Because there was delay, they doubted that God was going to provide for him. And doesn't that happen with you and I? Whenever God, we think that God is delaying and fulfilling a promise, the first thing we want to do is fashion something else and call it God. We want to make something for ourselves. We want to make our own way and then say that God has blessed us. They created an idol and then all of a sudden they started worshiping that idol. You know, when sexual immorality comes in. It usually comes in because people think that God's delaying in, pro- in providing for their desire for a, a spouse. I've got these needs. And God's taking all day. He's taking 40 years. You know how long Abraham waited? You know how long Moses waited before he met his wife? That's almost like 80 years. It was crazy. Every single one of us would need like heavy H and D if we had to wait 80 years. Pastor John Michael, come pray for me. They felt delay in the promise of God. So the first thing they did was they they went and decided they wanted to build an altar for themselves. So they go up to Aaron. Aaron's the delegated authority. Moses is up meeting with God. So he says, Aaron, I want you to stay here and keep some order. It's like Pastor Christian not being here and saying, Marcus, I want you to stay here and keep some order. But the people go up to Aaron and they say, Aaron, check it out. Moses is gone. We need a God. So let's let's get it cracking. Let's make something. 
And then Aaron says, okay, check this out. How about we take the gold from your ears and the gold around your neck and we're going to merge it together and we're going to make an idol for you. And the people are like, cool. If any of you came to me with that nonsense, (laughs) Marcus, God has not met my desire for this. So I'm going to try and do it myself. Will you bless me? The answer is no. But Aaron said, yes. (laughs) All of a sudden, what happened was they they took the gold from their ears and the gold around their necks and they begin to make an idol and they begin to worship it as God. But the crazy thing about this gold is that where did they get this gold from? Where did they get this gold that they begin to worship as God? You see it in Exodus chapter three, I believe it's verse 22. When God meets Moses, he reiterates to Moses what he wants Moses to do. Moses is a type of Christ. And he tells Moses, I want you to go into Egypt and I want you to deliver my people. But on the way out, here's what I want you to do. Because they had been stripped of all the wealth. Everything that Abraham had and he passed on to their descendants, it had been taken away. So he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell every Israelite to go to the Egyptians and ask them for gold for their ears and gold around their necks. And thus thus they will plunder the Egyptians. But because God had delayed in their promise, what they did was they took what was their plunder and made it into their idol. And many of us, because God is delaying in something that we want for our bodies or want for ourselves, we begin to take something that's our plunder and make it into our idol. See, that was meant to be a testimony that they would send down to generation after generation. Look at what God's delivered me from. Look what God has set me free from. Look what God has done. Here, I'm going to pass it to my children as a sign. But instead, they took that and then they forged an idol. See, for every single one of you, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, what happens is he sets you free from sexual immorality. He sets you free from anxiety. He sets you free from depression. He sets you free from every yoke of the enemy. The word of God says that this is the reason the son of man appeared to destroy the works of the devil. It says that Satan was crushed under his feet. His power is null. And therefore we plunder him. Everything that he's delivered us from in faith in Jesus Christ, it's our plunder. And it's meant to be things that we tell our children who tell their children who tell their children. Did you hear about how, how Marcus who Grandpapa Marcus, Paul Paul Marcus, that's what I call my, my grandpa. Paul Paul Marcus got delivered. He used to be mad promiscuous. He used to sleep around all the time. Yeah, he thought he was a player. But God touched him and God rocked him. And God now has put a legacy of purity and a heritage of uprightness and a heritage of being holy in the land. And it's being passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. But when you begin to doubt that those that God can manifest his promise in your life, you begin to turn back and you begin to take those things and you begin to do them again. The testimony that was supposed to be your plunder. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking back and talking about the good old days. Man, wasn't it so much fun when I used to sleep around? Wasn't it so much fun when I used to get drunk? Wasn't it so much fun? Wasn't it so much fun when I used to look at pornography? Wasn't it so much fun when I used to struggle with masturbation? Wasn't it so much fun? And all of a sudden you begin to step back in. And what was meant to be your plunder becomes your idol. What does this have to do with our bodies? All of a sudden, you begin to take what is your idol and you begin to bring it in to the temple. The temple of the Holy Spirit, this body. 
And when you bring that there, it quenches the Holy Spirit. So now there's no more kingdom influence. Now there's no more God's power going out. And the only thing that the only thing that gets destroyed is not the works of Satan, but you. What happened to the Israelites is they continue to bring idols into the temple of God and they continue to defile the temple. And then after a while, the temple was destroyed. And the influence that was supposed to go from generation to generation did not happen. But I'm here to tell you today that that doesn't have to be our story. That doesn't have to be the story of the Christian life you live. God cares about your body. And it's meant for him and it's meant to manifest his power. It's meant to experience his goodness and it's meant to spread it on the earth. Let's pray. Right now, I want us to pray. And I believe that that God's going to begin to manifest his goodness today. And he's going to manifest it upon your very body. So what I want us to do, I want us right now, I want us to begin to pray. And I want us to, to begin to ask God. If you've never experienced God's presence before, you've never experienced his nearness. I believe that today you're going to you're going to encounter God for the first time. You're going to you're going to feel his presence today for the first time. And it's not going to be because a, a leader laid their hands upon you or spoke a prophetic word in your ear. It's going to be because God desires to touch you because God wants to show you that your body is meaningful to him. And he wants you to touch him and for you and for him to be able to touch you. So right now, I want us all right now just begin to pray. And I want us to begin to, to pray for just God's presence to begin to just fill this place right now. Jesus, Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. If you've never experienced God's presence before, you've never experienced him physically, and it's something that you've been desiring, I want you right now, just begin to ask God, God, touch me, Lord. God, touch me, Lord. I want to experience you, God. The Christian life is not just about teaching. It's not just about good, having some good feelings. No, it's about encountering God. That's what it's about. All of that points to encountering God. I want us right now all to begin to pray right now. I want us to pray for encounters to happen in this place. Everyone in this room, I want us all to begin praying. God, I just speak right now, God, just encounters of your Holy Spirit, God, encounters of your power in this place, God.
Everyone keep praying. Keep praying. I believe right now God wants to heal some people in this room. I believe that God wants to heal some people in this room right now. So if you have, if there's been, a, if there's an illness or, or just any sickness, disease or pain or any pain anywhere in your body, I want you to just stand to your feet right now. I believe God's going to begin to break out with healing in this place. I want you to just put your hand wherever you have pain. And if you have an illness or something, just put your hand on your heart. I just want everyone right now, just begin to pray right now. Begin to contend for healing right now. Jesus. Jesus. God, I just speak healing right now, Lord. I just decree and declare healing right now, God. I just decree and declare backs being healed right now, God. I decree and declare stomachs being healed, God. God, I decree and declare, God, illnesses, God, leaving the body right now. Illnesses leaving the body right now in Jesus' name. Everyone, just right now, just contend. Just contend. We're going to disallow any illness in this place. We're disallowing any illness in this place. What I want you to do now is if you're seated, I want you to go up to someone who is, who is uh, standing. And I want, you to, I want you to just go around them. And before we keep praying, I want, I want you to check. I want you to help them check to see if... Uh, See if they've gotten any healing. Everyone, go ahead. Begin to move. Get, get, get near someone. We are a family here. This isn't a movie theater. <laughs> so if you're standing, if you're standing, raise up. If you were standing before, raise up your right hand. Raise up your right hand so people know to come up to you. I want you to check it. Check and see if you still have pain. Does, does anyone still, if, if you don't have any pain or you feel 80% better, I just want you to wave your hand. 80% better. Does anyone feel 80% better? All right, I want us to pray again. I want Now, I want you to lay your hands on the people that you're rallying around. And I want you to just come into agreement. And the person who's standing there, we're going to do the same thing we did at joint prayer. I want you to pray. And I want you to disallow this from from taking place in your body any longer disallow this pain disallow this discomfort and i want you to begin to declare healing and begin to believe for your healing and if you're standing i want you you're standing with them come into agreement say amen like you mean it and and come into agreement with them apply your faith right now everyone let's just start praying let's just start praying thank you lord for healing Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you, Lord, for complete healing. Thank you, Lord, for complete healing, God. Lord, we disallow illness. We disallow pain. We disallow sickness, God. We disallow it here, God. Lord, we speak complete healing, God. We speak complete healing, God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Begin to thank him for your healing. Begin to thank you for thank him for the healing. God, we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that pain is leaving the body right now. We thank you, Lord, that pain is leaving the body right now. Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus. I want you to check right now. I want, to, I want you to check and see see if you if you're healed. I want you to check right now. Come on, come on. Check and see if you still have pain. If you feel better, just wave your hand. I want to see. Come on, come on, come on. There we go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to celebrate these healings. Come on. Now, before before we close, I want us to pray one more time. I want us to pray one more time. So if you if you're receiving prayer now, I want us all to pray together. I want you to lay you lay hands. And like I said, if you're standing there receiving, I want you to pray too. disallow it in your body. But we're all going to pray and we're all going to apply our faith together to see more complete healings. Father, we just thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Begin to pray. We've already seen some healings. We're going to see we're going to see some more right now. We're going to see some more. Just apply your faith to it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for complete healing. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone pray. Everyone pray. Complete healing right now. Complete God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. I want to go ahead and check. Go ahead and check right now. See, see if see if you got some healing. If you got, if you feel it, go ahead and just wave your hand right now. We already got, we already had, we already had some more. We got one right here. Come on, come on. Where we at? Well, we got some. We got some 70, 80 percent. Come on, come on. Praise the Lord. You go ahead and take your seats. Go ahead and take your seats. I'm gonna close this in prayer. I want to tell you that stewarding, I also believe that there are some of you that experience God's presence for the first time, and that you're going to have testimonies of that as well. I want to tell you that stewarding, this means that we celebrate every healing that we see. We celebrate every time that God manifests healing in someone's body. We don't just overlook it, or we don't just say, oh, that's just two people. That's a life-changing thing for that person. Okay, so let's give God some better glory. Let's come on. <laughs> Come on. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to tell you that one of the prophetic words that we've received for this campus specifically is that we would see healing manifest in large number. And that's something that God wants us to steward for us to believe in. First, you got to believe it for your own body and then begin believing it for other people. Let me just say a word of prayer and then Brian's going to come to announcements. Father, we thank you for these healings, God, that manifested in our midst. We thank you that you are a God that cares about our bodies, that you are a God that touches our bodies, heals our bodies, and desires for our body to be the place, God, where your kingdom, God, impacts the government here on this earth, God. And that, Lord, we see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth through our bodies as it is in heaven. God, Father, we just pray right now for complete healing to manifest in every person that stood, God. Father, we rebuke, God, all sickness and disease, and we disallow it, God, from continuing in our midst, God. We thank you, Lord, that Itaewon will be a campus that's known for healing. It will be known for healing power that manifests, God. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen.